everybody and welcome to another show of the Coffee Diaries. Thank you all for joining. I'm joined, of course, with co-host Ade. And today we have ballerina Lindsay Donnell, Grand Rising Lindsay. <laughs> Grand Rising. It's good to be here. Um, so, this, oh, go ahead, Ron. Uh, sorry, Ade. Go ahead. This show, you know, Adi and I were talking about it for a while, and I really wanted to speak with a, uh, a we spoke about speaking with a ballerina to talk about the life of a ballerina, what it's like, and the particular challenges that are faced being a uh, black ballerina, and hopefully get some insights into um, the life of a ballerina. So thank you again for coming on. It's a uh, it's Ade and I still learning and finding out. So thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I, I to to prepare for this, I saw your video on um, intermediate bar. So I oh, I, I took your ballet class, <laughs> and I was doing the uh, you know when you you say bend down and touch the floor, and then roll the shoulders and you know do the head and i was like wow i'm actually pretty good at ballet i'm i was doing it with ease and then you said oh okay this is the warm-up so let's get into the uh the lesson at that point i sat on the couch i, I try to to keep up for you know a, a few things but i just couldn't do it so yeah well i mean that that video was made during a tough time. It was like right at the beginning of quarantine and we were all at Dance Theater of Harlem. We were making videos for people to try to do at home and just kind of figuring out the digital world. Yeah. And we were going to maintain our presence. So I'm very impressed. You, you tried. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, how did your journey into like, when did you become interested in, in dance? Dance has always been something I guess I've been interested in. Um, it just, it's kind of grown in, uh, I guess, like how seriously I've taken it. Mm. Uh, but my parents joke that even as a baby, when I was six months old, like I wouldn't stop crying unless they danced with me. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like dance is in my blood. Yeah. Uh, but from there, yeah, I guess I started taking um, lessons at a local studio, um, probably around the age of like five or six. Mm. Um, and that was a little more, you know, creative. It was for fun, recreational, I guess, you know, uh, but I saw the nutcracker and I think like every little girl I was taken away. Um, yeah. and I was like, all right, this tutu and tiara thing, let's get on this. Um, and so then from there, it was kind of like, you know, my parents explained to me, I'd have to take like more serious ballet lessons. And mm -hmm. that was the track I wanted to go into. And um, I think that's great. 10 or 11 and I took off from there. Yeah. So it sounds like your parents were very supportive with their, do, do they dance or are they into, are they athletes or? Yeah. Um, my my parents are more, I guess, athletes. My my dad is a coach, actually, or was a coach. He's retired now. Mm. Uh, and my mom, she she was always very into, like, music. Um, she was very into classical music. Um, so I feel like dance is kind of the combo of a sport and classical music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so did your dad, uh, did his coaching qualities come out with your, um, to help you with, with dance at all or? He always has a really positive mindset um, mm -hmm. and doesn't, like when we were little, if we ever said like, dad, I can't do this. He would pretend like he wouldn't understand what we were saying. He's like, I just, I've never heard that word. Can't I? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so I think in those ways, um, and he's like a very dedicated person. Like he gets up every day and stretches and hmm. like very into routines. Um, so I think in those ways, he definitely encouraged me. Yeah. Wow. Um, so like, when did you, what, what was the, the sort of uh, progression that led you to um, consider ballet professionally? Um, so as, as a ballet student, a lot of times around your teenage years, you can start um, going to summer programs around the country where it's like, You'll, you'll do like a six to eight week intensive where you can dance all day and mm. um, be more immersed in like a professional world. Um, my, my ballet teacher was a professional. So um, from that, she kind of encouraged me to do these summer programs. And um, I got a taste of that life and kind of was able to compare myself to dancers around the country and learn, you know. Um, so then yeah, I think from there I was like, "This is this is cool. I kind of like this. Yeah. Maybe I can this." And do do you have? Would you call yourself a competitive person? I definitely have a competitive streak. Um, I think actually, as I've progressed in ballet, um, I think that's kind of like taken the edge off of my competition because I think there's a certain point while you're growing in dance that yeah. it is more competitive and it's like do another turn or get your leg higher. Um, but then I think at a certain point it kind of switches over into artistry and that competition mm. actually doesn't serve you as a, as a dancer, you know? Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm trying to like neutralize my competitive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Hmm. Uh, Ron, uh, jump in in any time. What's it like going for uh, auditions? I'm sure you've been to a few, and um, just the um, the competitiveness of going for auditions, but at the same time knowing that you have to go there and produce your best. Yeah, um, I mean the audition mindset—that's like that's a whole animal that you have to kind of uh, tackle. Um, Cause yeah, I think it's auditioning is just so intimidating because you're there with people you don't know. You're trying to learn new choreography. You're trying to show off in the front. Um, I think like really learning to center yourself and just being like, I'm going to do my best. And I think kind of what I've learned again, like as I've gotten more experience, a lot of times I think in auditions, we like focus on being perfect in that moment. Um, but the directors or the, the casting people at the front of the room, they can usually see beyond that. And they also, they want to see like, you know, how, how do you recover from mistakes or how it's more about like the process and who you are as a person in the room and that kind of thing. 
And I think once I kind of realized that, that it was like, oh, I, I don't need to shut down when I mess something up and I can keep going and still, um, you know, maybe look the part or have a great experience. Um, I think that kind of helped me feel a little more comfortable in that environment. Because I think in these fields, um, coping with uh, rejection is something that we have to go through. Was there a particular strategy that, that you learned that helped you through it? Yes. Um, I had a teacher and she explained it to me, because especially I think, you know, uh, dealing with true rejection, it kind of comes later. Like when you're a kid, kid, it's like it, you know, dance is about positivity and everyone can do it. Um, so, um, she explained to me and she was like, it's kind of like a fruit stand. Um, and I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> um, and she was like, you know, some days you may really want that apple and you're craving an apple and that's the only thing you want. And, um, that doesn't mean that you don't like strawberries. That doesn't mean anything that like strawberries are bad that you might not want a strawberry tomorrow. Um, but it's just like for today and for this, like this person needs an apple and that's all you have to kind of, you know, uh, go it and know that there will be someone that needs a strawberry soon. <laughs> and I think that I guess in these, even in auditions, if you don't make it, there's um, something to be learned what's the greatest thing that you've learned from just the audition process itself? Um, I would say to lean into mistakes sometimes, um, to, to kind of roll with it and that like mistakes can create creativity and, um, new, new innovation. Hmm. I think that's what I think. Um, cause I feel like as a ballet dancer, I'm somewhat of a perfectionist, uh, like as I was saying. So, um, I think that's kind of been my biggest, biggest lesson. Yeah, because Addy and I were, I think we were talking about it a while ago. Um, the word mistake, we've got a lot of negative connotations with it. But maybe if we reframe it, and I think when someone said, you know, I can't remember who it was now, he said when he was trying something, he didn't fail 99 times, he found 99 times that didn't work. So he reframed it and looked at it in a different way. And I thought that's really, um, really quite amazing. If you just, that little switch of a mindset can really change how you see things. Exactly. Perspective, it's everything. <laughs> and so I imagine that um, if, if you are so resist, or, well, so closed off to mistakes or if they're so, you know, harsh, um, I imagine that it kind of cuts off new possibilities, you know, to, to kind of step out, try something new or step out into the unknown or, you know, um, do something because you're playing it safe, basically, because you don't want to make a mistake. Absolutely. Could you tell us about um, actually training the challenges of of practicing every day and the toll it takes on the body yeah um sometimes i still i like wake up and i'm like ow 
I just have to like convince myself to get up and keep going. Um, but I think, I think ballet, especially when it's, um, taught correctly, um, it can be like such a, a good practice for your body because it builds flexibility and musicality and all of that. Um, I'd say the rigors of everyday training is really staying committed, you know, um, cause something like ballet, you use turnout. So you rotate your, your legs and your arms and like the unnatural ways. So it's really about like fine tuning those muscles. And, um, I mean, I think that's maybe why ballet is one of the, the things in life that like discipline is almost synonymous, synonymous with, you know, hmm. um, because I've learned it's, it's really about keeping going, you know? And, um, so I feel like it's better to like get up and even do like a little bit one day and then, you know, work on things rather than like, be like, Oh, I'm sore and tired. I'm going to take a few days off and then I'll come back to it. Um, cause it's really about like those little baby steps that like brings you closer and closer to your goal. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Is, is that kind of, do you want to learn, know more about a typical day in training or yeah actually yeah, okay. can, yeah but, so go ahead Eddie. can ahead. you like uh uh walk us through like a typical day in your life like even breakfast wake up and to train in and beyond yeah um okay so i wake up i try to hydrate um because your your muscles and hydration um is really key. So that's one thing I've learned rather than grabbing a cup of coffee, I try to grab a cup of water. Um, and then I, I like to, I usually feel a little crickety, um, from maybe the day before. So I like to do a little yoga stretches, um, you know, feel like my spine long. Um, then I usually get breakfast, um, I like to do something like healthy and energizing, um, but not too heavy, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so smoothies, oatmeal, that kind of thing. Um, And then I head to the studio Um, almost, I feel like in the ballet world, usually like ballet class starts around 10 Mm a.m. I don't know why that time is the time, but almost everywhere, at least in New York, it's like 10 a.m. ballet class. and so then, yeah, we start our traditional class, which it, uh, it's a progression of exercises. So it starts, it's very regimented. You know, you do plies first, which is like bending your knees, warming those up. And you do tondus, which is about stretching your legs. And it just builds and builds until at the end of the bar, when you're holding on to something, you're like throwing your legs and that kind of thing. And then you come into the center and you restart that progression again. And so you do tondus on the floor and then you start turning and jumping. And then the class ends, um, with like grand allegro, which is our biggest jump. Um, so that whole, our ballet class is usually an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half. Um, and so that's kind of our like everyday Wheaties that prepares us for rehearsal. Um, and then for us at our company, we usually have about a three hour rehearsal block. Um, And we'll practice what we're getting ready for our next shows or season going on the road. Um, And then we'll have a little break for lunch. And then we have another two or three hours. Um, And that's, that's a day. (laughs) Wow. And do, do you do like, um, 
um, you know, when, when you have a show coming up or do you, do you do things like strength is, is strength training and things like that part of the, does that take place in the class or is there something that basically lifting weights and doing that sort of like, uh, exercise or. Yeah. Um, so for straight, like as far as weightlifting and stuff like that, I kind of rely on my own body weight. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I do the yoga exercises. I try to do a few push-ups every day, that kind of thing. Um, other than that, like build, the class kind of builds your strength a lot. Um, you know, so you do, you rise and that builds your calves. Um, all the exercises are very uh, targeted to like specific muscle groups and building that kind of strength. So, yeah. Um, but a lot of the men, especially just because, you know, we, the women, we dance on point on our toes. So a lot of our strength comes from like our legs um, with the men, they're the ones lifting us. So even though, you know, you do lift with your legs, um, a lot of them, they'll do a little bit more gym and weight, weight yeah. workout. But um, yeah. Go. How do you prepare? Like the, it's amazing. The um, dancing on your toes, like how do you work up to something like that and and do you get a lot of injuries from from that as well um so yeah i guess with point work you usually start around the age of 11 um just because that's uh when your the bones in your feet have finished about or have developed enough to a point where it's not dangerous for you um because i don't know if you guys know but your bone your feet actually have more bones in than anywhere else in your body. Um, so that it's just like very intricate. Um, and so, yeah, once at the age of 11, you have to already have, um, some of the ballet training because of the way that you learn to use your muscles. Um, you like learn to kind of like support yourself from like your thigh, your inner thighs and your hips and that kind of thing. Um, so then when you have your point shoes on, it's not just like weight going down into your feet. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, um, like I said, with good instructors, um, hopefully, because that's kind of the challenge in ballet is that, you know, there's a lot of times, uh, you know, some teachers don't really know, like, different things that are good and bad for your body. And so, like, they'll encourage one aspect, like, maybe a deeper plie without realizing that your knees aren't tracking over, you know, and that can lead to knee injury. Hmm. So it's really important to find an instructor that knows, uh, that knows the art form really well and like has probably had a professional career. Um, you know, cause I think that ensures that. Um, and then, yeah, from there, it's like repetition, building strength. Um, we, we have what we call relevés, which is like, you know, just rising up onto your feet and, um, we do a ton of those a day <laughs> Yeah, just to build those strength. So, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's, so you distribute the, the weight and, you know, through other body parts. And so it's not all just coming down on, on your toes. It sounds like. Yeah. Um, well, and even just, you know, like ballet posture, like we're always thinking like we have the like some yeah. people say, like, your ears need to go to the ceiling, um, yeah. stuff like that. So like, there's different like gravity things that I think you learn with your weight as a dancer of like where to hold 
hold yourself. So it, it teaches your body to, yeah, to be yeah. able to handle that. Wow. I guess that's part of the, the art of it as well. Like, um, it, it sounds like you're able to sort of get into this place of like this sort of balance and, and being able to, I don't know, um, uh, be on your toes for, for long periods of time. And yeah, that's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah yeah it is i mean i'm actually at this point sometimes you know because i guess i've been there every step of the way and so then when i'm like i look at you know what i'm doing i'm like wow that is really cool i (laughs) kind of snuck up on me (laughs) i wanted to ask you about the um the ballet shoes because I've been watching, in preparation, I watched a few uh, documentaries and I saw that um, back in the day, a lot of the um, black ballerinas had to put a colouring onto their shoes to change it to uh, brown because traditionally it was um, it was pink, I think. And they said that because, especially with the different skin tones, um, if you put on a uh, a uh, pink shoes onto dark skin, it stopped the line of the of the feet or the legs, and that's one of the reasons. I'm not sure if that's correct, but could you take us through that and how that happened? Yeah. Um, well, so as we know, like ballet is a traditionally European art form, so the kind of pink tone of the shoes was representative. It, it just matched kind of the people that were involved at the time. Um, Then I think as ballet expanded, um, that was when the the innovation came in the dance world, actually with my company, Dance Theater of Harlem. Um, So Arthur Mitchell in 1969, he started the company and it was the first, it was the first time that I think it was a whole company full of individuals of color. Um, And so even when they started in 1969, that was, they had pink tights because that was kind of the ballet tradition, you know? Um, And so then it was when they were on stage that he noticed that he was like, yeah, it it doesn't continue the line. You know, I see the long arms and the neck and all of that. And then I look on the bottom and it doesn't match. And I feel like there's a disconnect. Um, And so that was when the customers and, uh, wardrobe people at DTH um, decided to to start painting. Um, they created dyes actually for the shoes and um, the shoes and the tights. Um, so, like I said, that was in 1969, and that was like the first time it had been done in a classical setting. Um, I would say probably probably in the 80s. Um, that was when dance in general kind of like expanded and, you know, it wasn't just about ballet. And I mean, I guess even earlier than the eighties, like modern came about um, where the dance world became more inclusive in general. Um, And so then there were lots more people of color, um, which kind of led us to where we are today. And really it's only been a few years now that um, point shoe companies, um, because I think it, you know, um, in an art form about tradition, a lot of times the people surrounding the industry are just so about tradition too. Mm. So, um, 
I think it, it's taken a long journey to be like, okay, so now, yes, we need point shoe colors and, and we need more than just kind of a golden color and a dark brown color, but there's lots of shades in the middle. Um, and I think it's, um, it's been a beautiful symbol to represent, um, you know, that all are welcome. I think it's, it's definitely kind of like a message of the ballet world, I think, to people of color that, you know, that they're open to having a more diverse uh, palette on stage. <laughs> because in the UK, it was, I think, a few years ago now, and that the first um, black ballerina I, ballet dancer I saw was Carlos Acosta, I think. And he was here in the UK. And I remember that really, I because I had never seen somebody before. Yeah, so that really opened my eyes. And could you talk of the just the the value of having representation of seeing someone on stage who looks like you or reflects you? How important that is? Oh, it's so important. Um, I just I think um, like I'm saying about like feeling welcome, feeling like it's a journey you can take. Um, and I think, cause like I, I've been saying, um, I just, I think the, the skill set of ballet, like whether someone becomes a professional or not, a professional or not, is just invaluable, um, in the way that it builds your body, it builds your mind, um, like the self-discipline, I think the way that it makes you aware, all of these things, I'm like, I could just go on and on for, I think, how it builds the human spirit and uh, character. So I think um, to feel represented and to be able to see someone um, that looks like you on stage, it like opens a door for their, these children for the future. You know what I mean? And that's what I realized kind of touring with my company. Um with dance theater Harlem is that, you know, when a kid doesn't feel that, or when someone doesn't feel like they maybe have a chance, then it's like, they, they don't do it or they, they lose hope. And I think the loss of hope is that's when we know we're at the bottom, you know? Um, and so, yeah, for me, I was able, I grew up in Texas. Um, Lauren Anderson was a principal dancer at Houston ballet at the time. And so I was able to see her and look at her news articles and that kind of thing. Um, and so I was like, okay, like, you know, it can be done. I am going to try. I'm, it, it gives you that will to carry on. Um, but that was another thing our, our founder, Arthur Mitchell, he said, you know, if you, if you don't see yourself out there, then you just need to tell yourself I can be the first mm. and move forward that way. But um, I don't know. I think, representation i think for the for a world that we that i want to live in um unity love openness um creativity all of that i think representation of all people really matters yeah and i think it's, it's really amazing is that when we start to uh, embrace so many um different things and different people from around the world we learn so much we can take this from here and we find out this from this place or we find out something else and i think what that does it opens your mind to just a new way of you know let's use different kinds of music a different movement 
And I think that's really extraordinary, really, when we can do that. And we're part of that ourselves. Absolutely. Progress. Have you, can you remember a moment um, when you've danced and maybe you've seen a young child look at you, the way you looked at maybe a dancer and how that felt uh, for you? Yeah, I've actually... Uh... I've had a few of those moments and it's beautiful for me because as an adult now, I, I didn't realize, um, how much, like, those are the moments that they touch my heart. And I have like a few girls, like little ones that I've met on the road. Um, like I've met them before the show and then their parents will be like, she was captivated on stage. She would follow you. And like, I had one little girl cry, um, I did like a morning class and she wanted to come to the show and she was about two and her parents were like, you go to bed at 7 PM and the show starts at eight. And she just like sobbed and sobbed where they were like, okay, we're, we're going to bring you to the show. Um, and I don't know, for me, those moments are so touching. Um, just that I'm like, wow, this art can really impact, um, these kids even, you know, like they haven't even developed full language yet. They have this connection um, and I don't know, to see them emulate ballet and do their arms and, uh, you know, like run around on their toes. It just like, it really brings me so much joy, um, in a way that I had no idea as a kid that I would I, like that the, you know, I guess it's, it's a full circle of joy. Cause mm. when I was a kid, I was always admiring the ballerina, but I didn't realize now that I'm the ballerina, how much I love the little kid. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think as well, I guess when we grow up and we watch people and we're inspired, they're in our heads for the rest of our lives, the people who inspired us. Mm. So the people who are watching you, they're going to be thinking about you in 10, 20, 30 years because of something that they saw and you opened that, you opened that inside of them. And I think even that, this tiny thing is, is, is remarkable. It's very remarkable. Yeah. And yeah, it's true. I mean, I think of some of the ballerinas that I admired as a kid. And I remember like we play dress up and I would be like, oh, like my name's going to be Princess Asia, which was one of the ballerinas. And like, I, I mean, I still remember her name and all of that, you know. So <laughs> yeah, it really does stick with you. So what are some of the um, obstacles or uh, did you have moments where you, you just felt like this is not, uh, uh, you know, it felt, felt like quitting or or just doing something else or? Yeah. Um, well, so I guess my senior year of high school, that was the first time I got a kind of serious injury. Um, I partially tore my Achilles. Mm. Um and yeah, that was very painful. And that was kind of the first time that it, it was like, you know, a speed bump um, where I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, like slow down, you know, is this, I have to do a lot of rehab, a lot of swimming, that mm -hmm. kind of thing, weight, uh, weightless things to rebuild. Um, but I think that was one of the first time that I realized how difficult it could be and Sometimes I think, you know, when you're not just in an upward ascent, 
it mm-hmm. has to reevaluate. Um, so yeah, injury was my, my first kind of, uh, major thing to deal with. And then I think after school, um, kind of getting into the, the company life, um, because it's very ballet, you really kind of have to go step by step. Um, yeah. very rare that someone just kind of like pops into a company and then is doing principal roles and, um, you really have to build. And so I think in those building times, it was, it was just hard to make ends meet to have all mm-hmm. the time in the day to dedicate the amount of time to my training. And then I was teaching, um, dance classes and I was supposed to sing and trying to make it all work. Um, and at that point I was kind of like, this is a hard lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I need to like make it a little bit. Um, and so kind of, I think at that time I was like, all right, if I don't get a, a full-time paid dance position in this like next, you know, few months, I think I had a, a birthday at that time. I was like, by my birthday, then maybe I'm going to, you know, choose a different career path, something a little bit more stable and mm. where I can develop, you know, a quote normal lifestyle yeah um, and that was when i i got the job with uh dance theater harlem and so that was about 10 years ago and um then yeah i have health insurance and dental insurance and eye insurance and i get to travel tour the world um we're on the road all the time now so i feel uh grateful that i pushed through that hard time so yeah yeah and and being a, a black ballet dancer, did you face any sort of in the industry? Any did you pick up on any prejudice or anything like that? Or, um, you know, like when I was growing up, um, I, I have to give so much love and adoration to my um, or my original teacher, Susan Clark. Um, cause she was always, I guess, you know, she had had a career in New York and had mm-hmm. had exposure to just like a wider world than I guess what my reality in Texas. Um, so as far as race, I always felt like I was more aware of my race outside of like ballet than I was in ballet when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, just because my teacher is so much about doing the work, learning the technique, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. Um, and she was always really great. I, I mean, our studio wasn't so big, um, so she could really like challenge us all in, in that kind of thing. So I always felt like there in the studio, I was like, as long as I am doing the work and like excelling, I knew that I would be rewarded in, in that yeah. way, you know? Um, so then it was kind of after high school that I became more aware, I guess, that of, of like limitations in, um, in ballet and stuff regarding race. Um, I think my first job with, um, a company, I remember it was like my second year in the company and we were doing Swan Lake and like 
usually every all the second years were like swans there's a core of swans yeah. um and at that time i wasn't chosen i wasn't a swan um and i was like a townsperson or something like that and it was kind of like oh okay yeah mm. um and so then i think i i kind of became more aware um and and at that time too like they really encouraged me to do a lot of our outreach projects um which was wonderful and it was a, a great honor um but again i was like okay like i see that you know because of the way i look i am maybe being treated slightly differently yeah. Yeah. um and i guess for me i always i'd always try to like look at it in a positive light yeah um, mm-hmm. you know um so like with the outreach i was like okay i i'm able to connect with all these kids you know and show them the representation in ballet but yeah. then at the same I was like, I want to be challenged and I want my career to grow um, in the way that I wanted to. Um, and so that led me to DTH, um, which has led me to a whole world of, you know, uh, being a, a role model in diversity and like really learning what that meant um, and ways, ways to encourage it in the ballet world. Because as I'm saying, it is, um, something so just steeped in tradition. Um, and, um, I, I really think, um, even now, just since 2020 with Black Lives Matter and all of that, I think, um, ballet is maybe starting to follow suit a little bit in its antiquated kind of visions. Um, and there's been shows in the media like Bridgerton and even going back to like, I think Brandy did a Cinderella and, and stuff like that, that I think um, are being able to, to open these, these like kind of period pieces where people are like, oh, cause it's period. Then, you know, it doesn't, representation doesn't matter, but it, it does. Um, mm-hmm. So that gives me a lot of hope. And then I think as the art form of ballet um, it has been growing and, and beyond just like old classics, and getting into more contemporary dance and all of that. Um, I think that's doing wonders for growth and inclusion. Yeah. In those moments where you like with the Swan Lake and, and I think you said they gave you the role of a townsperson or something like that. Like, how do you, how do you process those moments? I think, um, I internalized them a lot at the time, um, you know, which I don't think is, I don't think that's ever healthy. Um, but at the time that was the way that I kind of knew how to deal with it. Um, you know, put on a smile, come do your best, that kind of thing. Um, I think having, having come, um, to DTH and stuff, that's given me a network of other artists, um, to speak with and kind of talk about our experiences and the ways uh, we want to grow or be looked at differently and like kind of what we can do. Um, And also just kind of having an element of, um, I don't know, like, I I feel like for the first time it it gave me a sense of like, well, you know, if this puzzle exists and they want this puzzle, like, that's fine. We can do that. But like, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to have our own puzzle. Like we don't even need to fit yeah, into yeah, that. Yeah. Like, we're close <laughs> puzzle. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that for me has 
given me the chance to move beyond that internalization of like, um, you know, I'm not good enough or I can't, um, and to, yeah, to, to re reimagine. Yeah. That reminds me of a conversation uh, Ron and I were having about, um, sci-fi <laughs> that, um, you know, and, uh, Afro, uh, futurism, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, a rather than redoing this, uh, European based, um, you know, sci-fi type of stuff that you kind of create your own, your own way in, in, in your own art form rather than yeah. wait to be included, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I love that concept and I don't know. Yeah. Even as, cause things that I feel like I really wanted to be included in now that I'm at the point in my career that I am and like kind of have, then I, cause I kind of looked at like some of the things I was doing in the meantime, um, at the time as like, Oh, this is, I'm doing this while I'm still working towards fitting into the puzzle, you know? Mm -hmm. But then now that I'm like, I can fit in the puzzle. I'm actually like, yeah, the Afrofuturism thing is maybe more what makes my heart sing. And I feel like I have more of a voice in, in that. And uh, it ignites my creative aspects a little bit more. Yeah. So I feel like that's been a soul shift for me in my lifetime. In researching here, I, I um, saw a dancer from South Africa called, I think it's um, Kitty Fetler. I'm not sure that's the correct name. And she was doing, she's a ballet, she was doing this ballet dance to this rain dance to the drums and to the music, which is very different from the music I normally associate with ballet. And I thought that was really uh, incredible, bringing this new music well, not new music, but different form of music with ballet. In your company, are you bringing in new sounds and new ways of uh, choreographing shows? Yes, um, absolutely. That's kind of in the heart of DTH's mission. Um, so obviously we're a company of artists of color, which includes not only um, Black, but we have people from all over the world. Um, we try to choose like Mexican, Cuban, we had someone from Korea, Australia. So really about like blending cultures. Um, and so with that has come music um, and choreographers where we try to use um, composers and choreographers of color as well. And um, so, yes, we have ballets to drum works um we one of our like classic ballets is actually or not classic but uh, our most loved ballets um one of it's closing our closing ballet a lot of times is to music of james brown and aretha franklin um and yeah i think that's um i i've tried to kind of look at ballet as just a vocabulary and so like the music can be whatever you want it to be um and I think also as uh, African-Americans, like we strongly identify with the jazz and that progression. So we have a lot of um, works to kind of look like the jazzy vernacular. Um, but for me, I, I love that. I love it when we can kind of use the vocabulary of ballet and broaden it. Um, 
because when I think about ballet, when it was first created, you know, um, they were, they were dancing to composers of the today, you know? Um, and so I think that was one of the things that made it so compelling. And there's always in the ballet world, there's always a talk about like, is ballet kind of passe? Does it have a place in our society now? And for me, I think using music that, you know, we, the average person can like turn on and listen to that, um, is inspiring is one way to keep, keep the art form, um, relevant. Yeah. Music and people, (laughs) diverse, uh, people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. I sent a day a link from, I think it's from the, the Harlem company and they had Neil deGrasse Tyson talking over and the background was space. Uh, you know, cause I, I love Afrofuturism and I just imagined this uh, ballet in space with the concepts of science. And I thought that was really amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was um, a video for one of our New York seasons. Um, it was an ad. I love that one too. It kind of connects all the worlds. Uh, but yeah, I haven't, I mean, I guess my toes wouldn't hurt in space. That would be fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ron, I think we have a new project idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it, behind it had the planets, and I was thinking, wow, that would be just an amazing story, you know, a sci-fi uh sci-fi film and the language they use was ballet and you just said something about not having gravity so what would it be like to do the turns and the moves without gravity i mean yeah i think i would love to jump uh because i guess you just bound and <laughs> you know I'm so high. look at all the beats i can do <laughs> um turning i i have no idea what it would feel like to turn in space I've tried like turning in a pool and it's kind of, it's hard to get that momentum because you don't have that. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Gravity is so uh, instrumental in, in dance. So uh, I guess we'd have to like really rethink it um, and how it would all work, but I'm down to give it a try and <laughs> work something out. So when you're when you're preparing for a show like at the foundation level, how much are you involved in the choreography and, and everything? It really depends um, on the choreographer. Um, so different choreographers have different processes. Um, some some people kind of like to give you like a few movements and you fill in the blank or. Yeah. Some also, they'll like give you music and kind of put you in groups and then they watch you and and they're kind of more of like a facilitator and orchestrator. Um, And so in those times, like dancers really come up with all the choreography and Mm -hmm. they kind of arrange it almost, you know, they have a vision, but as far as the actual steps, um, others choreographers, they kind of come in and they're like, do this on one, this is two, three, four, five, six, you like, you're just kind of uh the tool that you know they want to relay it to. Yeah. Um so as far as like the actual work that's it kind of differs. Um but I think that is part of being an artist is how you 
embody the work and relate it and create the nuances and all of that. So mm. at the end of the day, no matter what the choreographer has given you, I think it's it's really it's the dancer you're mm-hmm. seeing on stage yeah. and their their interpretation. Yeah, similar to to film, I guess, and with with actors. So you, you know what they do with the the words on the script, so. right? And and yeah, and some directors would be like, "Oh, you can ad lib a little over here." Like I like that, and others would be like, "Stick to the script." You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, similar. Um, so do you do you uh, do you have dreams about ballet? Do you dream ballet sometimes? Sometimes. Or sleep, lay down in bed thinking about the... Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, like, always going over choreography. Like, mental rehearsal, I'm like, yes. Yeah. Oh. Um, dream I haven't... I feel like a lot of times I'm so tired. <laughs> I just, like, I always do. <laughs> I need yeah. to work on more hours of rest, I think, to really lean into my dream world. Um, but, yes, I definitely... Usually when I have ballet dreams, they're usually stress dreams. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah Uh, speaking of that what is it like um like when you had your first big performance what's what's that like like that moment before you're gonna get on stage um i mean yeah the moment before curtain usually well i think i've had a like i used to when i was younger i would be so excited just like the energy um, you know, you can, you can feel the audience's energy, everyone, the dancers around you. Yeah. Um, I think I went through like a little, a stage fright kind of phase, I think at the beginning of my professional career, because then suddenly I was like, wait, like, I'm not out here just to have fun. Like people are paying money for this and, <laughs> and like director is watching me and she's going to come backstage and tell me everything, but you know, I need to do better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I want to, I, I guess it was driven by my, my, um, want to do so well that yeah. I felt like, <gasps> like, Oh no. <laughs> um, so now, now before curtain, I mean, we usually, we get to this, the theater so early and we have like a warm up class on stage. Mm-hmm. We usually like to get some snacks in the green room and, you know, stay warm, stay moving, just like, um, I feel now, yeah, I do my best performances, I think, when I'm relaxed and kind of in tune with my dancers around me, so I just kind of, I try to stay dialed in. Yeah. And and do you, do you, uh, does that, I I bet that energy from the audience, I mean, what, what does that feel like when you're kind of like in the zone? I don't know what the term in ballet is, but for like in basketball, it's like being in the zone when Jordan is hitting all of the, the shots and, you know, so is there a place where you just feel like you're not thinking everything is just flowing and um, what yeah. is that experience like? Uh, it, it's great. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like you turn off your your brain and I feel like it's like kind of a full trust of your body. Hmm. Um, and then for me, it's like I'm really, I almost think of like leaning into the music that it's like the music is running through me yeah. rather than me listening to it and doing it, um, but like being the music. And yeah, I don't know. And it, 
when you're in the zone, it's exhilarating. It's just like, uh, I don't know, you, you, like the inner, you can't even describe it because it's, it's like a buzz <laughs> deeply, you know? Yeah. And, and, and what's that connection? Do you feel moments where like everyone is working as a unit? Like there's just, everything's just flowing together with, with the other dancers. And what is that like? Yeah. Um, well, and I, I say like, especially when you're doing a pas de deux, uh, So then there's like one other person you're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that when the two of you can be in tune um, because then I feel like it's just, you're so able to like tell a story and communicate um, not only with your partner, but then with the audience. Um, And yeah, I, it's just, it's beautiful. I feel like it's kind of, to me, it's like the essence of life, like connection and creativity and all, all of that all in one. Yeah. Could you talk about the the emotions of a character when you're actually on stage and building a character? And how much do you go into do you go into the backstory of what do you think the character was to actually get feel those emotions while you're dancing? Yes. Um we do because I, I guess like um I, I we don't do as many story ballets, I feel. Like, we have a lot more, like, contemporary and kind of, like, abstract. Um, but even so, I love building characters and kind of figuring out what's going on in that character's world. Um, I remember we had this one ballet, and it was about the great migration um, of Black Americans in the South to the North um, after slavery. And, like, my character was kind of supposed to be the like the floozy kind of like loosey goosey where like at the parties that like once they made it up north uh, and so I don't know I just had so much fun um researching like that era and and even just, like people today kind of like how they move around mm-hmm. um I think the best character studies are actually like watching the people around you in the world mm. Um, and incorporating some of those mannerisms and, and those kind of things. Um, but I feel like for me, what I notice is like the stronger, even if the story isn't apparent for the audience member, the stronger the story is for me, um, the more effortlessly, A, the dances, because I think it takes you away from like the technical aspects and more into the emotional communication. Um so yeah, it's it's a stronger like the actual movement. I think is stronger, and it's a stronger connection for the audience. Um, mm. So yeah, I love I love doing that part. Have you performed in places around the world where maybe the you got extraordinary reactions maybe you didn't expect, but um, in certain places. Yeah, I think um, Eastern Europe, that was uh, just like an incredible experience. Um, One, because I think ballet is is very, very, very classical, very, very traditional there. So um, a lot of the repertory that audiences see uh, um, is is the Swan Lakes, the Sleeping Beauties, that kind of thing. 
Um, and then additionally, there's like in Eastern Europe, there's not as many, I, I guess there's, it doesn't seem like there's as much diversity. Um, I remember we went to Poland and this one guy like stopped uh, like a group of us on the street and he was like, I've lived here for six years and I've only seen three people of my skin tone. And today I've seen five in one day. And he's like, <laughs> how is this happening? Where did you come from? Who are you? <laughs> so, um, so there, there was just like that element um, of like the beauty of melanin on stage. Um, so, and then, yeah, I think um, the, cause I remember we did the ballet. I was telling you return by Robert Garland. Um, which is the James Brown and Aretha Franklin movement music. Um, and yeah, that was completely, it was just something, um, you know, out of their, their zone. I feel like, you know, Motown, soul, all of that is uh, a little more foreign to them. Um, so they loved it. They thought it was so cool, so innovative. Um, and that was really fun. I think also in Turkey, I remember, we got uh, like a standing ovation and like a call for an encore, um, which we don't do that in the U.S. <laughs> That's like strictly for musicians. Uh, so I remember we like all we were like an encore. Like what? What do you mean? And I think we ended up we like did the last movement over again. We just repeated it, <laughs> kind of tried to go extra in and add tricks and that kind of thing. <laughs> Um, but that was like a really new experience. So it was cool. That must be just be uh, an extraordinary feeling that you're on a stage and you've got this audience who come to and they love what you're doing and they're standing up and applauding it. That, that must be um, just all the work you've put in to get to this point. And I guess there you're sharing your arts with not only your co-workers, but you're sharing your art with all of these people and you're going to impact them. That's been an extraordinary feeling. It is pretty extraordinary. I feel like in the moment of the applause, I'm always kind of like replaying. I'm like, what could I have done better? What is this? What? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it is important to like, yeah. You like just enjoy that moment. And I've got one question here, which I want, really want to ask is that when I looked at a few uh, videos of uh, ballet dancers, they and they said when they first saw a ballet, something inside them clicked that I want to be a ballerina. And I heard this about three or four times with ballet dancers what is this thing that is the first thing that they saw and i want to do it can you remember um yeah well like i said i think it was seeing the sugar plum fairy in our nutcracker and i don't know it was just like it was like seeing an angel to me or something mm. that was like pink and glitter and a tiara and like i don't know she it was just like you know, the beauty of it. Um, I was just like, this is a perfect human being in front of me. And I want to be that. Like, <laughs> anything I can do to be closer to that, that's what I want to do. Um, and then, yeah, I think then, because I think a lot of girls probably feel that, but then you, you realize kind of the work uh, that's needed to actually make that happen and that 
being a quote of a ballerina princess isn't ballerina princess all the time <laughs> you yeah. know? sweat and and work and you know but i i very clearly remember just being in awe of just the beauty i'd never never seen that before yeah and i was listening to some dancers speaking and i think and I heard that historically they were saying that ballet dancers had to be a certain shape, which they kind of said, which is why they're not using black ballet dancers. Is there something in regards to shape of the body which 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 limits you, or is that just something in the past now that we that can be moved past? Um yeah, I think it Again, I, I think that kind of depends on maybe what company you want to dance for um, and their leadership. Um, I would say, you know, when ballet was created, it was created as like a, to be fair, like, I think the first time someone went on point, it was to emulate a fairy. Um, and so with that, like that fairy, it's like, oh, you have to be petite and small and like not not very muscular, that kind of thing. Um, I think then as ballet has developed again, it's, it's been, uh, I'll, I'll come back to just the word of tradition. You know, there's, there's like the masculine roles and the female roles mm -hmm. where the females are like coquettish and light and soft. Um, and then I think also, um, that there's like the, well, I guess I'll come back to that aspect, but, um, so I would say with that, um, a lot of times I, I think like, um, people of color aren't often looked at as like light and soft and sweet, you know, we're like, we're the warriors and we've had to fight for centuries and that kind of thing. And like, a lot of times I think, uh, our bodies are naturally more muscular where we show strength. Um, and so for some people, yeah, I think they're, they do have to fight, fight that, um, that stereotype, um, unfortunately still, still, mm. um, I do think that as dance has become more athletic and more, um, yeah, like more of a sport in that, like, I think strength is something that is embraced, um, because you can, you can do more, you know, if you're strong. So, um, I think, it's slowly moving beyond that but it's it's still it comes back to representation where you know um it's not always shown um the other thing is i like feet are very uh like the shape of one's foot is very uh emphasized in classical ballet and um some people say that yeah i guess like people of color are less likely to have that like classical really archy foot and hyperextended limbs and maybe a more curvaceous body. Um, and that's one of the things that I love about being at DTH is that like we embrace all of that. So it's like, yes, you can have curves and yes, you can be looking like a strong and fit person um, and still be delicate on stage and still be strong on stage. Like you don't have to fit that one wayfish stereotype. Um, mm. And I think even even the world, I think, is kind of mirroring that, like, you know, in the way yeah. that we look at women, um, because I think, women, you know, women have made huge strides of like being present in the workplace and being able to kind of stand on our own where we're not 
just these like little little women that need to be saved and lifted and you know all of that so I guess as well coming from that the, the stories that you tell will change as well with this new with a, with a different mindset yes absolutely um yeah and I think the stories that's one of the missions um uh, of our company um is that we are able to tell stories of you know, uh, like I was telling you about the Great Migration. Um, right now, we're doing a ballet about Hazel Scott, who was a jazz pianist. She could play one piano with each hand, and um, there there are so many figures and stories from history that have kind of either been lost because a lot of uh, the African American tradition has been like doing things passed down through speech and stories. Um, and so being able to kind of write them down or, or share them in a way that is meaningful um, is, is a really cool opportunity that I think we have. Um, where, yeah, where it doesn't have to be the story of the swan and the royalty and all of that, but there are, there are real things from our past and, and our future that, you know, we can tell. Is there going to be a balance between holding onto the traditions and moving a new way? Or will there be a dismantling and a breaking down of traditions and creating a new tradition? Um, I, I mean, I would love if there was a more of a dismantling. I, but I think... Uh, so far what I see, it's, it's a slow process of change, you know? Um, and yeah, especially I think it like, uh, at least in America, other things that we've seen, you know, even in integration of, of culture, uh, you know, after like the drum core laws and stuff like that, it's been very slow and there are some really wonderful like decisive steps forward and there are also some where it's like I feel like we took three or four steps back mm-hmm. uh, but I think that brings it back I think art is really the voice of of change and has the capacity to to create that that vehicle and and um to to initiate that mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I think we'll see I feel like more and more now, like there are more leaders and uh, and just having a platform and, and an awareness, you know, um, it's, again, it's only been in recent years that there have, you know, been awareness of, of dancers of color and like the need for representation, point shoes of color, stories, you know, all of that. And I, I don't know, maybe I am an optimist. I love looking at for the silver lining just because I'm like, I, I can't go on if I don't have that, but at least right now, I feel like there is more of an openness and willingness um, from people around the world to listen and engage and, and want change and, and hear that. Hmm. I'm not sure about New York, but in London, ballet is seen, I think, from quite an elitist point of view. So I don't think 
a lot of people or young children have a chance to even see one when they're growing up. Is there ways that maybe it can be brought to kind of a wider audience so more people will get to even get the opportunity to dance themselves or even just get the opportunity to see a dance? Yeah. Well, I mean, one, I think every, almost every company I know of now um, has really started prioritizing outreach. Um, and for us in every city we're in, we always make sure to do one school, one school show. Um, and so it's kind of like a dress rehearsal for us, but we'll bust all the kids in um, and have a full house of, of hopefully students that, you know, um, might not have had a chance to be introduced to the art form. Um, so I know, and I, I, um, I know a, a lot of companies are really uh, striving to do that in order, because I think it, it's also the future of ballet um, because it does, it, it started in the courts, uh, you know, the French courts and, you know, in London you have the Royal Ballet, which is like, uh, so it, 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 it a lot of companies in its roots, especially in Europe, uh, kind of started as an elitist thing. Um, now, that's what I have realized is the, how much um, that like dance has changed and like contemporary ballet and all of that. Um, where I think it it's broadened just uh, the like I said the stories we've been telling the audiences all of that. And so I think um, for me, my experience, everyone that has come to see one of like our shows, they're like, I had no idea ballet could be that way. Mm -hmm. um, so I think more and more, you know, as we're trying to, we have the internet now, um, which can hopefully expose more, a broader audience, more people, more children. And um, hopefully, yeah, the work that, I'm doing, we're doing all the dancers of color out there will be able to, to continue to connect with the young, the young kids that uh, want it. Mm. What a powerful statement. The, uh, I had no idea ballet could be that way. I mean, that, that, that tells a lot <laughs> right, right there. You know, that is, it's, you're, you're part of this expansion of the uh the art form how how does that feel being like being dancing in this period of time where ballet is transforming and expanding and who knows you know where where it's gonna go yeah um it feels exciting sometimes frustrating um because you know i think like one of my biggest challenges is just like a lot of people that they're like, oh, well, you know, like you don't do like classical ballet. And so then they put you in an other category. Mm. And it's like, no, we we do do classical <laughs> ballet. But still kind of, I don't, I, like, sometimes I feel like it's like there's this invisible measuring stick that like, because you're a person of color or doing something different, then that they're like, oh, well, you don't, mm. we don't know how to measure it. So we're just mm. going to like write it off, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that is the frustrating part. Um, but the beautiful part is, yeah, like these moments, like I've been telling you about and and meeting all these people around the world that, you know, um, 
they save, that their life has has changed by seeing the show or that they feel hopeful or I think one person said that it felt like a breath of fresh air that like everything in the world just felt like so much uh you know noise and motion that their brain mm-hmm. was always going and that when they were watching our performance it felt like the first time that they were able to just feel calm wow. and I was like oh that's really beautiful yeah. so I try to you know focus on those moments don't focus on the haters and yeah keep calm. <laughs> so we have a question from uh one of our audience member uh lydia she says uh for a child who's interested in ballet what is the recommended start age um i would say well also so it it differs for men and women, boys and girls too, just because like I was saying with the girls, you kind of, you have to have a pretty strong base by the age of 11. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, I mean, definitely like eight for sure. If you, if you're a girl, like really to start studying, but, um, but there's so much fun, creative movement that you can do before that time. And mm-hmm. that is wonderful too. So three, four, I think it's a fab, fab time to start. Um, wow. yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Great. Uh, and like, so if, if, um, dance theater of, of Harlem is, is there shows going on all year? How, how would someone, if someone was interested to, to go to a show, what, what would they have to do? Um, you could go to our website, dancetheaterofharlem.org, and theater is R-E, um, and there's a tab on there that would have uh, our tour dates. So I know we'll be performing here in New York um, April 5th through 10th, and then we have some West Coast stuff coming up. I think we're going to be outside of San Fran, Portland, in Utah, um, and then we'll... I think head back to the East coast. Um, and I know we have Houston and Virginia, and I think we're going to be finishing our season at the Kennedy center in June. So. Okay. And ha- have, has, has co I'm sure COVID has taken a toll on the, uh, you know, the, the performances and the shows that you would normally uh, do is, is it seem like, you're getting back into some sort of normalcy? Slowly. Um, yeah, we still have to wear masks in the studio, for example, um, mm-hmm. and on stage so far. We, we haven't done a maskless performance. Um, and so, yeah, I think just because even though dan- like dance is solo, it's, it's really done as a group, you know, um, and um so in i mean you know new york and like are changing guidelines all the time it's 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 time and moments um to get back but i found so far everyone has been even more thrilled to be back in the theater on the stage Mm. you know um so there's i feel like a renewed vibrance for the arts and what we're doing that's great What did you learn um, 
maybe about yourself or dance or anything during the last year when maybe you had maybe more time on your own? Did you did you discover anything about dance about yourself which you're going to take forward into your dance? Oh yeah, I've made so many self discoveries over the past year. Um, I mean, I think I think it, I did learn ways to because I, I for me I always you know I would go to the studio and dance and you'd have your teacher or whatever like kind of give you the combos and or then you'd work with a choreographer. I felt like it brought me, because we had all this isolation, it brought me to a space of more personal ownership and like asking myself, okay, so, you know, like you can't go to the studio today. Like, what do you need to do to feel like you're still progressing and advancing? Or like, what can you create? How, how can you make this work? Um, so I, yeah, I think the ownership of, of my art form is kind of what I learned during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Do you have a uh, meditation practice or a spiritual practice of any kind that you use? Yeah, I, I've really tried to meditate. Um, I usually just try to take, we have like five minute breaks usually every hour because uh, we'll dance and then take a five. I try to like take a minute at every five and just kind of recenter myself, focus on my breathing and set an intention um, for the next hour. Um, I don't know. I read a quote that it was like, we're not attention deficit, like, like everyone has ADD, but we're intention deficit. Hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's a very interesting, uh, I don't know, thought, thought change of perspective. So I really tried to um, kind of incorporate that into my meditation of just like, what what am I going to bring here to this now moment? Um, but that's one of the things that I've learned about dance. You know, you really do. It's kind of a meditation in itself, I think, mm -hmm. um, because you have to be in that present moment. And, uh, you, you know, you're obviously you have to also focus on your breathing in order to keep going and um so yeah getting getting that feeling of exhilaration i think is kind of being in a meditative state yeah i've always thought that the zone that ade referenced and meditation both of them are kind of the same because in both cases you're not there i think you said it it's just the music it's just the movement in the zone and uh, it seems that that is that's in the creative, whether it be art, um, painting or drawing, in those moments when it's just happening, it's only afterwards that we can describe what it feels like. Which is when Ade was asking you, what's the zone feels like? I guess we can only answer it from, you know, okay, then from here and now. I always thought that it, the two always came together or, or maybe one and the same, the zone and the meditation. Yeah, I think there. I definitely think it's one and the same. So, yeah, if it because it, it's like it's the lack of mm. thought, and, you know, being able to. So, so where do you see yourself um, as a dancer uh, going forward? And are there are you going to get into more 
choreography or what's in the plans for you going forward and are you coming to London I can't forget that question we have no tours right now going for London, but I, I think it's coming because I know our organization um, they went to London a lot I think like back in the 70s and 80s so I feel like it's it's time for us to get back there um, as for my other like my broader general future um i don't know i feel like for me um that's one thing i realized i i have a unique perspective i think because like i was telling you growing up i felt such um such so much more of an embrace from ballet because i felt like it was more about my work and not my skin tone so i feel like I have a calling that I, I want to use my art to continue to create unity. Um, and even as like, uh, cause I'm biracial. So I feel like I have always kind of, um, I don't know, been able to kind of like walk the line on both sides, understand both cultures um, on both sides. And I would love to use that experience to continue to, yeah, just, create unity and uh, light and um, all of that in the dance world. Um, I don't know. I have, I have dreams of like somehow being able to like build awareness in a way that's more accessible. Um, mm. Kind of like you on, you know, ballet being like sort of elite. Um, I'm like, you know, there's, there's lots of ways you can learn, learn about things, you know? So I don't know if it's maybe having a podcast or, or something like that, but um, I'd love to create an entry point where um, people can learn about ballet, learn about the people in it, learn about the stories we're telling, and um, especially in in today, where I, I just think more than ever, you know, we we don't have to worry as much for the most part about like you know like food and or like all all these things that have kept humanity kind of like stuck in the past mm-hmm. um now i'm like we have these things so like let's focus on art and togetherness and creativity yeah. and beauty um so i would love i'm not sure how yet but that's what i would love to do in my future so yeah all about intention as you, as you said yeah. So. yeah um so we're we're about an hour and a half in. So, um, you have any more questions, Ron? Or uh, no, I think um, I think it's been a wonderful conversation, Lindsay. Thank you very very much. Um, Addie and I speak about always learning. I think I've learned a lot uh, listening to you speak and understanding, you know, the life of a ballet dancer. So thank you very much. And I hope, and the amazing thing might happen is that someone may see this or they see you and they might say, oh, I would like to do that. And I think that's the extraordinary thing that can happen. Just what it, all it takes sometimes, I think, is um, one person just to open the crack in the door and you never know who's uh, watching or listening. That's a true. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, 
whatever happens, thank you for um, talking with me. It's been like, I also find it really fulfilling to kind of take that time to pause and be like, oh yeah, because I think sometimes when you're living in your everyday life, hmm. you, uh, or I forget to like, you know, come back to some of these questions and think about it. So it's been yeah. lovely. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, like you, you thank you for taking a chance on us. You know, I kind of stalked you on Instagram. <laughs> you didn't know who I was at all. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if she's going to reply to this and show up. <laughs> and um, so, uh, yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate it. This has been a wonderful discussion. As Ron says, when whenever we have these discussions, we we both learn so much. And then it's like after the podcast, Ron and I have continued the conversation and and then it usually leads to some other ideas. And but yeah, thank you. Um and um so where could people like get in touch with you or do you have like uh I know you have Instagram, but <laughs> like uh <laughs> what is your Instagram or you know, um I think you mentioned the um uh, Dance Theater of Harlem website. I'll put the link in the description as well. But if you want to let people know where they could get in touch with you or when, you know, how to see the shows and things like that. Yes. Well, you can follow me on Instagram, um, Mademoiselle Donnell. Um, and also our company Instagram, Dance Theater of Harlem, or website, dancetheaterofharlem.org are all great places to get info on our upcoming shows. And yeah, um, I think that, that's probably the best way. I'd okay. love to hear from anybody, everybody. Um, and yeah, get connected, stay connected. So Great. And uh, thank you. And thank you to our audience, our millions of viewers watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, this, this will be also be, I edit it basically just put an intro and exit um you know and um and i we're gonna upload it onto youtube so i'll send you a link to that as well yeah i can't wait to share thanks thank you nice to meet you and thank um, you everybody enjoy the rest of the rainy weekend (laughs) Uh, thank you Lindsay. i'll see you in london at some time (laughs) yes